rappers in this room anywhere else. It's on your radio right now. Do you know how to pop that coochie for a good one? There you go. It's the world's most dangerous one to show. Got the cameras on motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of show is this? My son listens to this show. With DJ Envy, the captain of this bitch. With Angela Yee, the only one who can keep these guys in check. Charlemagne the God. I'm a lovable asshole. And this is the Breakfast Club, bitches. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Tuesday. Toronto. What's Good happening, morning, guys? We, What's happening? Are we bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning, huh, guys? No. Huh? No. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Eh, me neither. <laughs> don't need to lie about it. I thought right? it was. I thought it was Wednesday when I woke up. I wish. That means we'd be closer to the weekend, but it's not. It's you too. Will, yeah. Goodness. All right. Great. So let's let's talk it out the best way we know how. That's right. All right? That's right. What you guys do yesterday? Anything fun? Huh? Anything? Anything at all? Man, shut up, man. You know we ain't doing nothing. It's Groundhog Day every day, every day. Okay. Asking us what we do, like you think we? Well, I'd be home. Well, look, well, let me, let me, uh, you're right. Well, let me ask yeah, you. Ask me, how how you doing? Yeah, I know you're out in Detroit. What you doing, Yee? Um, well, you know, I'm handling some business here with my house. I have a house in Detroit, so I'm staying here. But I have another house that has to get work done, so I have to go check on it and figure out how to move forward on the whole renovation process. And I was looking at some real estate. Okay. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. Uh, we have the Dean family joining us this morning. The Dean oh, yes. family, of course, D. and Siobhan, they're the one that founded Rough Riders, who signed uh, DMX, The Locks, Eve, Drag On, and a host of others. Yeah, if so you've been watching the incredible uh, BET docuseries uh, about No Limit on BET, the next docuseries they're doing, I'm sure you've seen the commercials, is The Rough Riders. That starts yes. tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually. Yep, 12. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news, what are we talking about? Well, let's talk about Chicago. Police have arrested more than 100 people, and that is all after a shootout and then looting downtown. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with the NFL. At least 66 NFL players have opted out of the upcoming season. They have until Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern to decide. And Well, they had until Thursday to decide. And after the deadline passed, they said that out of the 2,880 players, 66 chose to opt out. They're saying that number could be higher because other places have reported it was 67 players. Okay. Makes sense, right, for your safety Mm -hmm. and family safety if you have any type of things that might affect you. All right, now, confirmed coronavirus cases in the U.S. Children rose by 90% in about four weeks this summer. So now there's 380,000 cases of coronavirus amongst children in the United States. As we're all trying to figure out what's going to happen with kids going back to school this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And another thing that has people outraged, deputies pointed guns at three black teenagers. They're the ones, though, that were attacked. Now, this video was posted to social media, and it showed them being detained at gunpoint. 
in Santa Clarita Valley after they were attacked by a man with a knife. So the video was posted on Instagram by Tammy Collins, who was the mother of one of the teens. She says her son and his friends were sitting at a bus stop when they were attacked by a homeless man who asked them for drugs, then pulled a knife on them. Deputies were called to the scene by bystanders, and those bystanders did include the manager of a restaurant that was nearby, and they were trying to get help for the boys. All of them were black, and when the police came, they had at least two guns. The teenagers had two guns pointed at them, and the deputy commanded them to back toward them with their hands raised, and then they were handcuffed. Here is what one of the mothers had to say. Thinking to myself, thank God my boys did not flinch. Yes. Or whatever, scratch or whatever, because I felt like all he needed to see was them move an inch. All the news is starting to sound like Groundhog Day. Everything is starting to sound redundant. And it it's so nuts to me that, you know, in this climate, when police officers absolutely know all eyes are on them, it's like they turned up on the BS. They didn't even, yeah. even try, you know, to, to, to do better. All across the country, you would think that they would say, you know what, Let, let's, let's do better based off you know, things that we've been seeing in the news, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, et cetera. It's like they turned up on the BS even more. Right, really sad situation. Imagine you're the victim of a crime. You've already had a knife pulled on. You've already been attacked. You call the cops because that's what we're taught to traumatized. do. And, and the cops and now the cops guns come on you. and they point guns at you. You traumatized. They need to really change their model from the protect and the serve to something else. Because if, if they are here to protect and to serve, it ain't it ain't in the interest of black people. All right, Donald Trump briefly had to leave a press briefing after there was a shooting near the White House. And here's what he had to say. I don't hear nothing. There was a shooting outside of the White House and seems to be very well under control. I'd like to thank the Secret Service for doing their always quick and very effective work. But there was an actual shooting and uh, somebody's been taken to the hospital. I don't know the condition of the person. Now, when they pulled him off the stage, right? There was right. this noise. Was that a chopper going off, or was that was those cameras flashing? I think that and was they pulled cameras. them off the stage. Yeah, I think you it was sure? cameras. Oh, yeah, it was cameras. And it I'm surprised like a he chopper didn't. To me. I'm surprised he didn't walk out there. You know, he's the type to be like, I'm not scared to walk out there. I'm surprised that didn't happen. That is, no, that, he go that, hide. No, he go hide in his no, bunker. Don't play. That is exactly. That is not who the type of person he is. <laughs> he <laughs> he got to hide in the bunker first, and then he got to walk out. He got to walk out and show me. No, I wasn't scared. I was just checking the bunker again. Stop it. He might do that on Wednesday. Wednesday or Thursday when the coast is really clear. The coast like is clear. There. Okay. No. He won't even walk across the street without security. In the- I mean, <laughs> he, he was going by himself. He, he, he is the president. I mean, he is the president, ye. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the, president, the president won't walk, bitch, won't walk across the street without security. Flanked by security. Outside. Well, I'm he's not going to go outside when he hears, America. and he's also not going to go outside when he hears gunshots. None of us will. I would hope not. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's not going to go outside because, hey, what's going on out here? He's going to go to I right. he goes today. Close is clear. He's going to go today. I wasn't scared. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it Hello, who's this? This is Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Morning, Get Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I was just going to say 
Thanks for always spreading, spreading the positivity, keeping it real. I love to hear that. And um, personally, uh, I live, I'm from the Indy area. And um, so one of our schools, um, the kids were back for a couple days and yesterday was their last day because there's so many COVID uh, cases spreading right now. And personally, I um, chose to keep my daughter at home and do e-learning for the first semester just because, you know, <clears throat> that's what's important to me and my son. He has a heart condition and stuff like that, so I didn't want to risk it, but it's just nuts. Right. Yeah. Those are hard decisions to make as a parent. My daughter was upset with me because, of course, she wants to go back. She's ready, of exactly. course. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I was about to say the same thing. Exactly. It's tough. and. Um, I just, you know, pray for all those parents out there because I know it's hard and, um, you know, but, you know, we have the rest of our life to live. And um, I think, you know, taking a step back, you know, for a semester is the option they're giving us at a time and, you know, isn't such a bad idea. And I, honestly, I don't know how long it's going to make it. Like I said, the one school in our district, yesterday is their last day, like because so many cases are spreading and I'm from a small City, so I can't even imagine the big cities. Right. Well, thank you yeah, for calling so, in. That what she said just now, like yeah, you know, you got a daughter. Like I'm sitting there talking to my 12 year old last night, and she's visibly upset if she gonna have to be home. You know what I'm saying for the start of her seventh grade year. So it's Not just yet. like damn, you gonna spend most of your middle school time or junior Bro. high time, whatever you call it, at home. Bro, today's my daughter's birthday, and she wants a party with her class. It can't happen. My daughter, my, my, my five-year-old's daughter born there is Thursday. We got to do it Same virtually thing. over Zoom so they can say happy birthday to her, which is crazy. My daughter, you know what I mean? But <sighs> get it off your I chest. My, 800... I, I just tell my daughter at five, you don't have no friends yet. You Shut get up. friends when Eight... you turn seven. Shut up. <laughs> 800-585-1051. Get it off your chest. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass this is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? It's Q Butter. What up, bro? Get it off your chest. Q Butter? Hey, man. Yeah, man. Sure. I was. I wanted to uh, get in there and get off my chest about these these companies with these fine prints that'll get you, man. Um, I, I was I had this little side hustle um, to where I was renting my cars out, and then uh, one of my cars got wrecked, and they, they wouldn't pay for it. Even though I had their premium insurance, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do, and they ripped me off. Um, it's, it's another one. Uh, even with uh, being a season ticket owner, you, you got to pay for the seats, and you got to pay for the tickets every year. But guess what? If you want to take a year off, they still going to get you because you, you no longer own the seats all, all of a sudden. It's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. Me neither. But have a good day, Can you bro. explain a little bit? So, no, explain, I just, I just explain a little bit. I was bit. lost so, all the way. When, you, when you're when a season ticket owner, you mm -hmm. got to pay for the seats. Correct. For who? You right. pay for the tickets no, every For any year. seats, any team, so, you pay for the seats. Okay. Yeah, so even even if you pay for the seats, if you say you say you wanted to take a vacation that year and you mm -hmm. couldn't come, you you, you don't own the seats anymore because they're going to give them away and try to sell them to somebody else. It's like a timeshare. You, wow. you, can, you can't sell your seats to somebody else to use them while you're gone? Yeah, you can. They just take it away from you. Yeah, no, nah, they don't know that. Yeah, you can. If, but if you're how do they know if, you go or, if you're going or not, if you're a season ticket holder? Because they give you a book of tickets and you got to pay for the seat. Right. It's, it's a time, it's a, it's a deadline to where 
um, you have to pay for those tickets. If you if you refuse to pay for the tickets, or you say I don't want to pay for the tickets this year, they're gonna they just gonna take them away from you. You don't own the seats anymore. Yeah, you don't own the seats. Well, but if you're not gonna, you but if you're gonna pay, if you know, if you don't pay for them, yeah, then, then you gonna get you no tickets. Own them anymore. <laughs> no, well, I'm saying if they call you an owner of the seats. Then you supposed to own the seats. They supposed to be yours. Okay. Only as long as you're paying for them, yeah, though. Yeah, you're renting. You gotta pay for them still. Of course, you don't own that arena or that. You don't seat, own right? it permanently. <laughs> now I'm not well, gonna lie. I'm kind of. I'm kind. I'm kind of with him. I thought that when you buy season tickets, that's your seat for the whole year. It is. It's why you're paying. For the but season. If you don't pay, and then the next year, if you don't pay, you have year, to give they them They take up. it away from you. Oh, he's talking about you the can't. whole next year where he didn't pay. Yeah, he says, "Why do they hey, call man. me the owner of the seat?" Too early for this. Yeah. You have a good one, though. Good luck with that. Watch on TV. Season ticket holder. That means season. You can't just pay for one season and then think you have them for the rest of your nah, life. No, but it says owner, so I own the seat forever. It's not a, li- it's not a lifetime. Like You're not a lifetime ticket holder. You're a season ticket holder. Okay, that's why they say in life, things come into your life for reasons, seasons, and lifetimes. Sometimes the reason is somebody gives you a courtside seat to sit in. Uh, sometimes the reason is somebody gives you tickets to go. Sometimes the reason is you bought a season ticket and I don't think there's no lifetime ticket. Is there a lifetime ticket holder? No. I don't think so. Unless you're an owner. If you own the team, you are. But other than that, no. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. We got rumors on the way, Yee? Yes, and prayers up for Lakeith Stansfield. He was posting, Lakeith Stanfield, he was posting and there's some disturbing things. And so hopefully he is okay. Also, Nicki Minaj versus ASAP Ferg. Nicki Minaj fans are having an ASAP Ferg is over party. We'll tell you why. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, it appears that Keith Stanfield was going through it as he posted some pictures and videos of himself. He said, I like to be by myself because I can hurt myself and no one tells me to stop or fakes like they care. And he posted a video of himself pouring liquor into a pill bottle. All right. Then he posted bottoms up and he posted a bottle of pills. And then he said, reality is boring and moves too slow and no one is trustworthy. And he posted the pills again. And then he posted outside is crazy. I'm going to just stay inside from now on. And then he said, I'm okay, everyone. I appreciate everyone checking in on me, but I'm good. I'm not harming myself. Much love. Therapy, therapy, therapy. Listen, God bless that, brother. Uh, it's a dark time. Whatever you need to do to stay mentally and emotionally healthy, do it. Um, I wonder about situations like that. Like when you get online and, you know, you post that you may be going through something mm-hmm. mentally. If you don't receive uh, the love, right? If you don't receive a bunch of people hitting you saying, yo, we care about you. Don't do that. If It's the opposite of that. I wonder if that will push you over the ledge. That's why I don't um, recommend people taking their problems to social media, but Man, I guess when you don't have nobody else to reach out to, that's where you go. I guess. Yeah. Right? Or sometimes maybe you were drinking or took something and you are kind of not in control of what you're doing. You know, like yeah. it could it could be that just, you know, how you get drunk and you start tweeting or you're you took something and you're a little out of it, so you start tweeting. It could be that too. You're not Yeah, that's dangerous. Straight. That's dangerous cuz you get you get one or two or 20 bad tweets. People telling you, yeah, kill yourself. I might really push you over the edge. So I wouldn't recommend taking my, my, my problems to social media. Not at all. Not at all.
All right, well, he did, and prayers for Lakeith Stanfield. So want him to be okay. You know, we just saw everything with Azalea Banks play out. So whatever issues people are going through, we love and support, and we want to make sure that you are okay. All right, Phil Collins' song, In the Air Tonight, is on the top of the charts after 39 years since it's been released. If y'all need a refresher or maybe never heard the song, here's what it sounds like. Yeah, why is it at the top of the charts now? So it's number three right now after WAP and Bears and Sunshine by Darius Rucker. And this is all because of a video that went viral, Twins the New Trend. So these twin brothers, they're 22 years old, and they do these reaction videos where they show their reaction to certain songs. Mm -hmm. So this is a song that they reacted to <laughs> on their latest yeah, video. It, so mm -hmm. They heard it for the first time, right? Yeah, so they said because we're black and they don't expect us to listen to that type of music, it's just rare to see people open these days. People don't open up to step outside their comfort zone and just react to music that they don't know. So they reacted to all different types of music from different genres. They started off just doing hip-hop videos where mm -hmm. they would react to hip-hop um, songs, but then they took a suggestion to try out Frank Sinatra, and then they've gone into different genres since then. Okay. Uh, first of all, first of all, young 22-year-olds, all right, don't speak for yourself, all right? We've been on Phil Collins' heated tonight, okay? All right? That's, in that the wasn't air some tonight song. It's, it's in the air tonight. Whatever the hell is it? Whatever the, the hell is the song is called. I know what the hell is. You've been on it, though. In the heated tonight. Heated tonight was a TV show. But, but my point is, we've been listening to that Phil Collins record. That's not nothing new, okay, for us. It is don't just say, it is don't say black people don't listen to that song. That's not necessarily well, true. Well, they've been listening to all kinds of... They didn't say just that song, but they've listened to everything from Pantera to Rage Against the Machine, The Carpenters. Uh -huh, now you're getting white album. on them now. Now that's white. Okay. Phil Collins was white. Phil Collins got some, that song got too much soul. Way too much soul. All right. This Let's is, see this how much you what group was What group was Phil Collins in? Um, I don't know. Genesis. I don't know either. Okay. The what? You know, I listen to Genesis. I listen to all kinds of music too, especially from back in the day. That's all right, Blackish. In the air tonight is a classic, though. It is. That episode that they shelved on Blackish is going to be coming to Hulu. It's the Please, Baby, Please episode. And Kenya Barris announced the news on social media. He said in November 2017, we made an episode of Blackish entitled Please, Baby, Please. We were one year post election and coming to the end of a year that left us, like many Americans, grappling with the state of our country and anxious about its future. Those feelings poured onto the page, becoming 22 minutes of television that I was and still am incredibly proud of. Please, Baby, Please didn't make it to air that season. And while much has been speculated about its contents. The episode has never been seen publicly until now. So it's going to be available on Hulu. It's now available on Hulu. Okay. I'm going to check that out. You guys want to watch it. Yes, mm -hmm. me too. I didn't even realize. And Nicki Minaj fans are upset at ASAP Ferg. They said he didn't send website sales for Move Your Hips to Billboard, so they started trending. ASAP Ferg is over. Not sure how all of this happened, but the Barbs went and they tried to, they went and ordered the song. So they said Nicki Minaj's website pulled 13.3 thousand orders and Ferg had over 66.7 thousand orders. And somehow, some way, uh, they only got 15,000 website sales due to bundle buying. And they said Ferg 66,000 is nowhere to be found. So their issue is that that song, they went really hard to make it uh, number one. 
and higher up, but it only hit number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100. So now they're going crazy on ASAP Ferg. Like he's the person that submits sales personally. Question, how the hell they know ASAP Ferg didn't submit his sales? And since when do you got to submit sales? Since when the sales well, like signatures when you're trying to get on an election? That sounds crazy. Well, they said because it was only 15000 in website sales. So, you know, all that information is public. And they said that they bought 66700 They got a lot of time around, boy. Yes, they do. Why, they got a lot of information. In, yeah, why are so fans involved in the business? And how do we know that their information is correct? I mean, I've never heard of somebody having to submit sales. I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about it. Well, that. most artists, I'm sure, wouldn't do that. Most artists, the, the label does that. The label submits the sales. That's the whole team that does that. But why does the label have to submit sales? Don't when you buy something digitally, it's tracked already? It's not? Bro, I don't know. Well, it's web, these are website sales, so maybe it's different. I don't know. Look, I don't even know if they're correct. I'm just telling you why ASAP Ferg is over, was trending, and what happened oh, and what their Lord. accusations are. My goodness. People are nuts. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. We got front page news coming up. What are we talking about? Uh, yes, we do. And we are going to be talking about these uh, young black boys who uh, they called the cops. And then the cops came and pulled guns on them, even though they were the ones reporting a crime who did not commit a crime. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with Santa Clarita. There was outrage after a video was posted to social media. It shows three black teenagers. They were being detained at gunpoint after they were the ones who were attacked by a man with a knife. Now, this video was posted on Saturday on Instagram. Apparently, these three teenagers were sitting at a bus stop when they were attacked by a homeless man who asked them for drugs. Then that homeless man pulled a knife on them. So the cops are called to the scene by bystanders and the the cops ended up pulling a gun on the the three black teenagers who were the ones who had been attacked in the first place. Now here is Lisa Gray. She is the mother of one of the teenagers. Thinking to myself, thank God my voice did not flinch yes. or scratch or whatever because I felt like all he needed to see was them move an inch. You ain't even had to say black. You could have just said, guess what race it is. Everybody knew they was black. That only happens to black well, the, people. The L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva said this. I've seen the recent video involving a Santa Cruz incident, which has gone viral, and I have concerns regarding the tactics employed. A call for service was received regarding a felony assault, and the deputies detained those allegedly to be involved. The matter is currently being investigated. Thank you for listening, and please stay healthy. Oh, my God, he's reading that verbatim off somebody's <laughs> paper. The crazy, part, the crazy part is he said it was a tactic. It has nothing to do with tactics. It has to do with perception. They perceive black people as threats at all times. Why? I don't know. Right. What a traumatizing day for them. I'm sure. An experience. All right. Uh, Chicago police have arrested more than 100 people after a shootout and looting downtown. They said there was a fit of violence that appears to have started with police exchanging gunfire with a 20-year-old man. 
Now, according to the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, she said it was deeply painful. And this has nothing to do with the First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. She said you have no right to take and destroy the property of others. We will not let our city be taken over by criminals and vigilantes, no matter who they are and what they're doing. So people were arrested. They were charged with looting, disorderly conduct and battery against police. They said police will maintain a heavy presence downtown until further notice. Downtown access is restricted now from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. So with that limited access. That means all Cook County courts, except for bond courts, are closed on Monday. Monday's cases will be uh, continued in thirty in thirty will be continued thirty days. So, well, bus and train service up. was suspended. Mm-hmm. Now nah, people fed up, man. Economy is in the toilet. Unemployment at an all time high. Uh, all people have is hurt and pain to share, and they will share it. Okay, period. Not making excuses or justifying what they did, but man, there's some yeah. people out there that is really hurting. Now, a lot of people out there hurting. A lot of people. I saw out there a video of somebody going live and they were trying to break an ATM machine. I seen that. I, and I, that I saw academics posted that. I don't know why. That's what people do. That's what people do. It's not even that, but you get on your own live. Like, you know what I mean? You telling on yourself. You're like, not only are you going to break into the ATM, you're going to give the police the video to prosecute you to break into the ATM. If you just want to go back to jail, you might as well just stand in front of the police. Clear station. view on the, on I, the video. I think he wanted some direction. I think he needed somebody to get on there and say, oh, look, you're doing it all wrong. All right. How I get in. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to break into this ATM machine. You could have just Googled, but you know. All right. A you military veteran was serving a life sentence, and that was for selling less than $30 worth of marijuana. And he will soon be released from prison. Derek Harris. He was arrested in 2008 in Louisiana. He sold an officer 0.69 grams of marijuana. And he just recently was resentenced to time served. That's crazy for selling $30 of marijuana. He was convicted and sentenced to 15 years in prison and then resentenced in 2012 to life in prison under the habitual offender law. Yeah, that judge, it seems like that judge should go to jail. If he sold $30 worth of marijuana and they said they they served him with life, that judge shouldn't go to jail? Like nobody's... Not to mention... That's he had crazy. a substance abuse problem that started when he was the one to sentencing. The judge was only sentencing. Sadly, she's only sentencing based off the, 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 the law. The laws need to be changed. Well, he had a substance abuse problem that started when he returned from Desert Storm. And they said his prior offenses were nonviolent and related to his untreated dependency on drugs. So hmm. the judge can't override that? If a man sold 39 think- grams of marijuana? I don't think he should have been sentenced to that at all. If that right. was the case, they could have dropped it to a lesser charge so he wouldn't be sentenced to life. Nah, mm-hmm. that's not right. All right, well, that is your front page news. I'm Angela Yee. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, the Dean family will be joining us, the founders of Rough Riders. You know, sign some of your favorite acts from the locks to DMX to Eve to drag on to so many more. We're going to kick it with D.Y. and Siobhan when we come back. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests in the building. We have the Deans, D.Y. and Siobhan, the founders of Rough Riders. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, baby. Good morning. Listen, man, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the Rough Rider documentary. And right off top, I got to say, I'm happy y'all cleared up something I always wanted to know. And that's why D- why wasn't DMX in the battle video with Jay-Z? Yeah, that was ugly. Um, 
Yo, basically what happened was, um, you know, they we, we did the battle when we did the battle over there in the Bronx. You know, the crazy thing is that I didn't have X stuff published and stuff. Everything I was doing this whole, I was in the transition of getting his publishing and everything up and running. You know, just really doing a lot of other things. With they was battling. I told Dame, I was like, Yo, Dame, we can't have no no filming on DMX stuff because we don't want nobody, you know, copywriting and, and biting his, his 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 lyrics and all that. So that's how it started. He, Dame was like, Yo, messed that up. I said, It's all good. I said, But we wasn't, you know, X had a lot of epic lyrics. So I was I was like, Nah, we can't do that. You'll see this in his documentary too, because we had that footage. It when was, was the documentary shot? When did y'all shoot that documentary? We shot it in 19. And what's, what's your relationship with DMX now? Because I've seen it in the, in the documentary. He seemed uh, upset because he thought he was going to get a percentage of Rough Riders, but then during the battle, i seen you guys at the battle. So what, what's the relationship now with, with X? I mean, he, he right here. He ain't here, but he's over here with us right now. We're doing this album as we speak. So X is like, like a little brother. No matter how much he gets mad and things happen, we fix it and straighten it out. So... It's all family here. You're never really going to have too many artists that we deal with where there's a real problem. We try to fix it and keep everything in-house. Well, I know when people watch this, they won't have seen the docuseries at all yet. So I want to talk about Rough Riders and you guys getting started because DMX was your first artist. But you guys didn't start off as music industry, as a music industry family. So let's talk about how Rough Riders even got started. It started with a basic conversation with Heavy D. Rest in peace, Heavy D. You know, Mont Vernon, New York, we, we lived in Mont Vernon, New York, Puffy and all these guys. Basically, I told him, I said, yo, Hev, let me ask you a question. He said, what? He said, I said, yo, I want to um, I want to get into this music business, how we can get out of the streets into the music business. So he was like, yeah, um, he said, get an artist you believe in, make hits, and the industry come to you. I said, that's it? I said, he said, yeah, that's it. And my man Tiny was with me, and he gave me the cassette. He was like, well, I got DMX cassette tape right here. So when he gave he gave it to Hev, Hev gave it to me. He was like, guess this is your first artist. So I popped it in the 300ZX from there. You know, I went straight to see DMX from there to Yonkers. And I, that's how our journey started with DMX. I know Puff was sick. He didn't sign DMX, though. I know Puff was oh, sick. Yeah, but a, a fun fact. Let me give you some fun, a fun fact uh, going back to uh, what, where we started. So Joaquin didn't express to you that he started with R&B artists first prior to DMX and when we didn't um go for uh didn't hit with that artist that's when we went into a rap game and then the second fun fact is that Puffy's parents and our parents grew up together mm -hmm. the relationship how we forged the relationship with Puffy and Puffy was responsive to us because of our parents and his father and our father were best friends Wow. So, what's the fun thing about not signing X? Like, damn, I missed out on that one. Y'all gave him the opportunity. Y'all gave it to him yeah. on the platter. Yeah, I, I, I was with Puff, and we was in California in his house because we had was on tour with him with the, with the Locks and Mace. And I was like, yeah, you need to. I said, this is, he's probably like one of the best out of the pick of the litter that we have. He was more into shiny suits and dancing with Versace and all this type of So he didn't feel X because X was gritty. He didn't see him until the world saw him, and it was too late because he, 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 he definitely, you know, he missed that train because he had him first, literally, but he didn't take him. Were, were y'all hesitant about speaking on any of the street shit in the documentary? They never really asked me about it. I, I wasn't hesitant. I would, I, If they asked me, I would have told them, but it wasn't really much. 
much that we could tell them is just street shit. Same thing that everybody else was doing that was in the street was hustling, getting, trying to make money to do other things to get out the street and that was it, you know. That's I mean, they ain't gonna get no more than that, Charlamagne. Don't worry about that. No, but I'm talking about more so how y'all got people out of contract. Yeah, y'all sitting at a couple of people. Like, man. like, like there, there, there was one line oh. the, with, with the dude was like, I ain't never been shot before, and you told him because you ain't never been shot by me. <laughs> you know about that, Charlamagne? Yeah. It was in the documentary. <laughs> Did you watch it? Look, that was on, I didn't see it, but that was on the side street. I don't know how they got that one. You gave him that? I didn't give him that. Yeah, that's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was a good one. Charlamagne, I like that one. That was a good one. He was, it was the one day, and it was the locks, and they was in a contract with these guys, and they was young, and they signed all this paperwork, and he didn't want to let them out. And I was like, you're not doing nothing with them. So, you know, it, you know, the best thing to do is we're going to help them get to where they got to go, because you're just holding them. Hostage, you're not even doing music no more. So I think the best thing to do is um to just let me and my brother take them and so they can try to, you know, become the artist they want to be because you're just holding them and you ain't doing that. So we was talking, he was whatever, and he, you know, he was with his little crew, he felt comfortable. And his man stepped in. It wasn't even him, his man stepped in, but he ain't scared. I said, he ain't gotta be scared. He said, he's been shot before. I said, Well, that don't got nothing to do with me. He didn't get shot by me, else he wouldn't be here. And that made him uh, relinquish that deal fast. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he kind of thought about it, and he was like, all right, I knew him, though, because the guy that, that had him, I kind of knew him. He was from the area where we was from, but he was a, a good kid. He wasn't a street kid, so he just happened to be smart, savvy, and get them to sign, and they believed in him. So it wasn't like I didn't know him at all. I knew him. We did know him, so we just had to go through that a little bit to get him out. Gotcha. Did you have to buy them out at all? Or did, like, what if they'd have been like, look, all right, if you give me X amount of dollars, then... Yeah, we would have did that. If, if it was something reasonable and feasible, why was handling all the paperwork? Why are you probably yeah, he money? Out. We ain't paid nothing for that. That we, we we just, we signed, we got DMX out of his deal. We paid a lot of people visits. Basically, you know, we trying to get out of these streets. We like, yo, listen, man, y'all, y'all got to do what y'all got to do. You know, get, get, get this deal done. They ain't doing nothing like D said. It's, it's a done deal. I did the paperwork, I pressed these cats, we did it together. It, it was just fun as a survival tactic, you know, just trying to get out of the street and get into something legit. All right, we have more with the Rough Rider founders when we come back, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, we're kicking it with the Dean family, the founders of Rough Riders, D, Y, and Siobhan. Now, I didn't see all the episodes yet, but did y'all break down what happened with the locks and Diddy and how y'all got the locks out that contract? Puff, he dealt with Puff on that yeah, one. I, I, well, Puff, like my sister said, his father and my father were best friends, so that was kind of a little easier because we went in on the, on the way of as family. You know, we, we didn't go in as we taking anything. We just, he's family, so my father told me that he was best friends with his father, so we kept it business and cordial, and we, we, we kind of got together as family, and we worked it out, and he was like, all right, no problem, and he was able to... um. He said he said he'll do it because I helped him out. He had a situation one time, and it probably was with Sugar. He's family, so you know Sugar was throwing his weight around a little bit. So I was like, all right, let's go see him. It's not no big deal for us. So you know, he, 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 we fixed it and we fixed it out, and it worked it out for him. So everything was cool. So he was like, yo, I'm good looking and whatever. So with anything you need, let me know. So that's the favor I call was to uh, release the locks. So y'all y'all had to y'all had to handle something with Sugar for for Diddy. No, we, we didn't we didn't handle it, but I was like, if you need us to, we can help you out if it's a situation. He was like, all right, so, you know, I'll let you know. But 
it all worked itself out. It didn't get escalate, so it was pretty cool. And what happened with, with, with Rough Riders? Did, did you guys start focusing on other things or what it was? Because at one time you had all these artists and then it kind of just, everybody started going everything. It almost seemed like one started doing merch and one started doing this and one started doing that. What what happened with Rough Riders? As far as like with the, with the artists or the just the company in the itself? The label. The label. So, so basically what we was doing is when we got on, we got on through Def Jam. Irv Gotti put us on in that situation. Then we went from there. We, you know, we did our thing with DMX. And then from there, we did our deal with Jimmy Iovine and Interscope. Mm -hmm. So when we, we we crossed over to open our, our label, after we did that, everybody was growing. You know, we helped people become their own bosses because we was the ones that actually set the tone for the 360 deals. We was the ones that opened doors for multiple income streams and opportunities for the artists. And so we set up a lot of opportunities for them. But, you know, Eve, you helped out over there, getting into the movies over there. You know, the, you had the same thing with X over on that side. We kind of, like, helped out from afar into those situations. And plus, we had our own situation. We had our own production company, TV and film division. We had a lot of, lot of different companies because we was multitasking and building our brand. And then my brother had his bike accident. We was going through a transition to rehabilitate my brother and support him because that was more important than the music industry or anything else. So we stayed focused on that. And then I, I was stuck and my sister was doing, you know, she was doing rescue for a little bit, Rough Rise to the Rescue. And then, you know, we, we kind of like settled back and really just was regrouping. Hey, D, in the doc, we said that you were actually pronounced dead. And, and and I didn't realize that you was in a coma for three months. I didn't know it was it was that long. I know this this might sound like a crazy question, but did you see what the afterlife looked like? Do you do you remember anything? I didn't really see anything, but I guess as I was getting closer to coming through, I could hear things, but I know I wasn't there. I could still hear it. Mm -hmm. And there was people in the room, but it wasn't like I was able to respond. I was just laying there. But as I was coming closer to closer to coming out the coma, I started hearing things. So it was just dark for you, like sleep? There you go, baby. It was dark as hell. You know why? You said something earlier. You said that y'all were learning while y'all were earning. And even watching the doc, it's like, man, I'm sitting there wondering, like, how do black people from the hood learn financial literacy that fast in order to know what to do with all that money? There's a lot of greasy people. So when you hire somebody, it doesn't mean necessarily mean be in your, in your corner where they're supposed to be. So there was a lot of lying, a lot of stealing, a lot of that people don't know about. I won't mention any names, but we wasn't with a lot of good people. We wasn't with, we didn't know that we wasn't with a lot of good people. Let me say that. We didn't know until we knew. But we had our ups and downs. It was, it was really a learning curve, but it was, a, right. it was a beautiful thing because we could have been locked up and doing life in penitentiary or whatever. So this thing was like a, a true blessing for us to be able to make an exit out of the, the street game into a legitimate situation. But like I said, we was learning the game. We wasn't like Puffin' all them was interned under Andre Harrell, rest in peace, Andre and all them, with, with Russell and all these guys. They had, they was interns in the game, learning the game. So when they got their chance to get the baton, they was able to maintain the presence. They knew who to work with, who not to work with. They knew how to flow. We didn't have that opportunity. We was, we came straight off the street corner into the game. Oh, I got a couple more questions. Did y'all ever really promise DMX a piece of the company? No, no, no. You know, when I got DMX, DMX was, you know, in those streets, running the streets, doing what he's doing. It was basically 
yo ex, I'm gonna come in here and do what I do. I signed him under a production agreement. I had to get him out of those production agreements he was in. Yeah, and then, um, so I just signed him over to production. Everything is good and sweet and peaches and cream. And then, you know, you know, once everything blow up and whatever, then everybody see things a little bit different. But it's all good. You know, things happen and life goes on. So we, you know, we, you know, I had to chase DMX to even for like years. The shit I had to go through to get DMX to do an album or do anything was unheard of. You, 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 know, you, you know what you know you know what they don't know and, and this is the crazy part because they think that most of the time you get an artist and you probably sign them in a matter of months and they, they probably get a deal. This was a little different with X because we had, we was working with X probably what was it eight or ten years well before we even got a deal? Yeah, twelve years. We did a deal with Columbia Rough House. That was a six nine month run. We did a little we had a nine month window it was a single deal. Single that you know was the born loser. It didn't do all that great, but it was an opportunity. That was our one of our own opportunities. After that, then we 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 took us another six years or so to get in a get in in a situation. So yeah, I had never heard those songs before until so you played them in a documentary. I was like, I didn't even know. Yeah, I heard, I heard born loser before. Chad Elliott did that that born loser. He was one of the first producers started working with us. You know, then I brought Irv Gotti and he put me with Irv Gotti. Irv Gotti was a DJ. And I brought Irv Gotti in from Chad Elliott. Puffy put me with Chad Elliott because Puffy was like, yo, I can't really, I don't have no producer. I can't really do anything. I'm too busy. Right. So I said, all right, cool. Who you got that you can hook me up with? So he hooked me up with Chad Elliott. And then he hooked me up with, with Irv Gotti. And, and then I, so I, I signed Irv Gotti as a producer. Then we I had him working with us. And, 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 and your man, um, Chad, worked with Swiss and X. So that's how we started. Yeah. He just never stopped working. All right, we have more with the Rough Rider founders. When we come back, let's get into a Rough Riders mini mix. Let's go. That was a Rough Riders mini mix. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with D.Y. and Siobhan, founders of Rough Riders. Charlemagne? Was there ever any hesitation about going in business with X, knowing he had a drug problem? Never, never with X. He, he had a drug problem, but... I don't think it would have ever been no business with him. Like him and my brother, they they met and they was doing whatever they agreed on. And, and, and I don't know what the initial agreement was with them. So we were just still doing the music, but I don't think it was a problem giving them some of the company or or, or, or breaking down with them. That shouldn't that wouldn't have been no problem. I was working with X when he was Look, when he was in the Matrix. <laughs> That, he, when he, was, he was in um the Galaxy. I, I, that, that's what I did. I always supported X. And did the right deal with him to make sure he was Look, all right. The, cra the crazy part is we were we we was already dealing with X on crack eight years before we probably even got a damn deal. So that wasn't nothing. We was dealing with him like that on the regular. Yeah, we, we just we, believed in him. We believed it in wasn't him. Wasn't about drugs with X, you know, because we we consider we consider you once you in you family you family. You know it, you know we've been through with relatives and all that had drug habits. We 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 in the streets dealing with drug addicts every day. We we didn't discriminate, you know. It was it's like yo, we was blessed to be able to have an opportunity to work with X and and get out of you know and and put this work. And a lot of people was like, yo, how you gonna work with this guy? He got he's robbing people. He's doing all these different things, and yeah, you wasting your time. I'm like, nah, look, I'm look. rubber, so we gonna work with him. That's just how it goes. <clears throat> a lot of people told us we was crazy. They was like, I don't even know why y'all with him. He's a crackhead. And we was like, I was like, don't worry, bro. He's good. We'll work with him. We got him. We was familiar with it, but he would have—he probably would have never 
been as successful as he is if it was just regular people that wasn't familiar with going in buildings, getting them out of crack buildings. Like we did that we was familiar with. So if it was just regular people and he got a deal like like at Sony or somewhere, they would have never been able to get him because you had to go through a lot of things to get to X. And this was years. Not This wasn't a day. This was years and years. You got to go get him out the building, drag him out of here, bring him over here. So it was a lot of a lot of that way before we even got to the music. Why didn't DMX work at that gym? You remember they battled years ago in the pool hall in the Bronx. Right. So they battled. It was we, we called it a draw because they both was nice. So we said, all right, it's a draw. X felt like he won. Hove gonna feel like he went. So it was the animosity there always. It was nothing uh, verbal, but it was just in his mind, like I won, I'm better than you. So when Hove wound up being the president at Def Jam, he felt that he had the answer to him and X ain't like that, you know, because he don't feel like he's better than them. Like, you're not nicer than me. I'm better than you. So he he, he had some type of, he felt some type of way about whole uh, dictating his future. So was, that's, the, that's, was, was the album really ready? The album, the album that was at Def Jam that they kept saying wasn't ready, wasn't ready, wasn't ready. In y'all opinion, was it ready? I think it was ready, but it took a little longer because of the budget. We wasn't able to get certain things done as quick as normally, like at Interscope. And, and, and that's where he thought that uh, Hove wasn't, he was trying to sabotage him because he wasn't getting everything that he was getting, that we was getting for at, at Interscope. So he was thinking he was trying to sabotage. So it took us a little longer to get that album done because we was getting the albums done. I would knock an album out in, 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 in 60 days. Why do you think it didn't work uh, at, at, between X and Hove, Siobhan? Uh, Oh, huh. egos. That's it. It's simple. Egos. I don't mm. want to say the other word, but whose who's, who's piece is bigger than whose, but it's basically egos. Which is crazy. They were that's, on that's, each other. No, it's real simple. Each other, like, they were good, which which is, which was crazy. Was it a mutual decision to leave Def Jam? Like, it was the whole Rough Riders thing? Like, yo, you know what? X, we all going to be out. Yeah, we all mutually just rolled, you know, it was just, you know, it, it was time, you know, because it, that's when I told you when the whole industry started downsizing and stuff like that, things turned left. You know, uh, Jay-Z and I was good with Def Jam. They was able to negotiate their deal because when they negotiated their first deal, they, you know, Def Jam had some type of ownership in in, in um, Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. That's where Rockefeller and them was getting um, a little bit extra love, maybe because they had... You know, mm -hmm. Def Jam has special interests in in, the, in that rock brand, but you know, we we seen we felt a little bit of favoritism going on. That's why we was expanding and moving on and doing other things outside of just being in one house. Mm -hmm. And um, we did our time there, and we moved on to the next. There you go. Well, the the, the good part about Def Jam, and I got to give it the whole, is that X was in X had um. He was in debt over there. He probably owed about twelve million. He had owed them a lot of money over there at Def Jam through the course of years. And me and Ho got together and I went up to the office and I asked him, I said, Can you do me a favor? And instead of sign X where we went to sign, I think we took him to a uh where we took him at Why? to uh when we took him from Def Jam. Sony, right? So yeah, Sony, yeah. Yeah, we took yeah, him so with we, Dad over there is Sony. Yeah, we took him over there, but he let him. He released him. He, he wiped out the debt clean, and let him go with no money. He didn't have to pay nothing back. So, oh, did do that. I remember that. So, I gotta make sure I give respect him on that because he let him go clean with nothing. 
That's you don't have to pay nothing back. Don't, no no white exec was going to do that. Ever. No, he Ever. did that. That was love. But the crazy right thing is, the crazy thing about the um, Def Jam situation, when Glior and, De- and, and Russell sold the company, you know, you know, when you do so, train, you know, when they start um, selling companies and new ownerships and possession, and so they got this big debt over you that you don't know where this came from because now they, they got all these people leaving and now they have a new accountant financial team coming in and they telling you, you owe, you know, X owe 12 million, this person owe 20 million, this person owe 8 million. And so we do an audit and they really, they, Jeff Jam, y'all owe 25 million. So now, you know, we have a situation here. So now you got to go. So now you go through all this litigation fluff and now Def Jam, most of the team that was there, they no longer there. So now you got to wait for five, six, seven years to go through them so they can get the books back and all this other craziness. So yeah, it's a lot of funny games going on with the book, with the books and the paper, the paper trail. You know, y'all get your money back from Def Jam that they owe y'all. We got it down, broken down to like eight million, but it, it really has some more litigation stuff that I had to go through. So we never really got to really fulfill that whole situation. But it was a, it was definitely a loophole in that whole situation. We had a lot of a lot of lawyer fees and counting fees back and forth for like five, six, seven years dealing with that. We never really they, they owed y'all twenty five million? Well it came back twenty five million in the red. But then, you know, as we was breaking it down, it came down to like eight million or so. But then we never really got the pursuit of finalizing the whole situation because a bunch of other stuff popped in. Then my guy died and all that stuff. So it was a whole loophole there. But um God damn, it's like it's easier to sell crack. There you go, Charlamagne. <laughs> Anytime, baby, that's what we do. It sounds a little better. <laughs> Listen, I know I know y'all gotta go, man, because uh, but I really enjoyed the Rough Rider doc. It, it is it is hard to watch though, especially DMX, because he still got so much trauma, man. So I, I just wonder how much responsibility do y'all feel to make sure he really gets the help he needs. Cause that brother needs healing. Well, we good. We work with X. You know, X is healing. He's doing good right now. He's out here doing his album in the West Coast. He's working with him. Squish work with him. Bless you. We all working together. So, you know, he, he X is X. So, you know, he's blessed. He's in God's hands. He's going to do his part. We're going to do our part. And, you know, we're going we gonna to put in this work. You know, we got we still got more work to do. This, thing, this is just the beginning of the beginning. Well, thank you, brothers, and, and Miss Vaughn for joining us this morning. We definitely appreciate you. Thank you Well, Billboard magazine put the versus effect on their cover and they included uh, Alicia Keys, John Legend, Babyface, uh, DMX, you can see Snoop Dogg, Kirk Franklin, Swiss Beats and Timbaland, of course, front and center, Erica Badu, Jill Scott, but Beanie Man and Bounty Killer were not included. I always tell you that was my favorite versus battle out of all of them. Now, Swiss uh-huh. posted the cover on his page and he said to our fans, while we are honored that versus made the cover of Billboard, this would not have been possible without Beanie Man and Bounty Killer, who set a big tone for our audience and represented for Jamaica. Thank you, Billboard, for the acknowledgement. But we feel this version of the cover best represents the versus effect. Now, Beanie Man posted on his pages, uh, 
and slammed Billboard, Billboard magazine for excluding him and Bounty Killer from the cover art. He said, I guess Billboard is really that guy. If you recall, during the versus battle, he was like, don't be that guy when the cops came and tried mm -hmm. to shut it down. He said, when will dance hall get its recognition? No matter how the impact, no matter the hard work, no matter how powerful the music is, they them still try it every time and get a chance. A time now, man, fix up. Don't try to undermine a thing, dance hall. He also said, big up Swizz and Tim, but this is what our genre face. Everybody... For, I don't know what FW, oh, FWD and Tech Peace and build up them thing and then do everything to undermine the genre dance hall where they got it from. Now, another person who was not happy was John Tay Austin because he was also not included and he also listed some other people that were not included on this cover as well. John Tay Austin uh, said that the dream wasn't included, neither was Neo or Sean Garrett, and neither was he. So here is what Swiss Beats had to say about the cover. Cause we ain't even get to see that joint till today. I ain't know, know. what the cover was gonna look like. I seen the cover and was happy and was bugging at the same time. I'm like, we gotta, you know. No, that's what I was like. I, I ain't know. I ain't know. I smiled and I frowned. I was like, Nah, it's all good. That's why we we photoshopped ourselves out and put Bounty and Beanie in there because you know they did something that was super amazing. So they the reason why people are in the room together now. Um. I understand uh, why all those artists are upset. Uh, be, uh, be Beanie Man and Bounty Killer should have definitely been on the cover. Absolutely. But let's be clear. Let's be clear, though. Everybody that's in a versus is not going to make a cover. Like, the cover story is probably going to be the biggest artist or maybe the biggest versus. So you would have to put Beanie Man, Bounty Killer on there. You'd have to put Eric Badu, Jill Scott. And then you have to throw some star power on there like Snoop, DMX. Everybody wasn't going to make the cover. That's just not how covers work. Yeah, yeah you know, and, you. and they picked the in, biggest in particular artists. though, in particular though, Beanie Man and Bounty Killer was a big one, like you said. They should have been on there. And it also was the first time that they had two artists in one room. They had crazy energy. It was amazing, and they represented. So I can understand that, and I can understand also how dance hall gets continually disrespected here, even though they've contributed so much. And so I Beanie guess. Man and Bounty should have been on there. That was those are the two that that missed that cover. The rest of them, like Charlamagne said, they're gonna pick the biggest artists. Yep. Now, the journalist who wrote the Versus story for Billboard also talks about her role in the article because people were coming at her like she's the one that chose the cover. Now, her name is Naima Cochran. She said, I wasn't going to respond, but this is like the 10th time somebody has accused me of disrespecting or omitting Beanie and Bounty. And nah, that's what we're not going to do. So she said, uh, and to one person in particular, she responded, so Ingrid Riley, I would encourage you to direct your ire towards whomever actually deserves it. It's not me. Yes, I wrote it, and they are prominently included in it. I wrote about them. No, I didn't have any input in the cover, nor did I see it. Writers rarely, if ever, do. I saw it today when the rest of the world saw it. She said, Beanie and Bounty, the, the significance of Sound Clash and them being a turning point of verses are in my story. So just to clarify, she wrote the article, but she's not the person who... Did the cover artwork? Yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. not her fault. She don't pick the cover. The cover, the cover. By the way, the cover is all about who's gonna sell these magazines. Correct. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's just to clear all of that up because I saw that was happening yesterday on social media. Uh, CeeLo Green, in the meantime, is talking about women in the rap game, and he singles out Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, and Nicki Minaj. He did an interview that was published in Fire Out Magazine on Sunday, and he talked about artists sexualizing themselves in their music. He said a lot of music today is very unfortunate and disappointing on a personal and moral level. There was once a time when we were savvy enough to code certain things. And it was interesting because uh, after this happened, a lot of people brought up these allegations. He had rape allegations against him previously. They also brought up his song, Closet Freak. Here's a snippet of that. Everybody that's wrong, I the bone. They got hit. 
Now CeeLo goes on to say, we could express to those it was meant for with the style of language we use, but now music is shameless. It is sheer savagery. He then name drops Cardi and Megan, and he says, attention is also a drug and competition is around Cardi B and Megan The Stallion. They are all more or less doing similar salacious gesturing to kind of get into position. I get it, the independent women and being in control, the divine femininity and sexual expression. I get it all. And then he said, it comes at what cost? I don't understand the outrage over WAP. Like, why WAP? Like, in America, sex sells. Why are people acting like WAP is the song that's going to make women become hoarse? Why is WAP the song that's going to lead my daughter to a life of sex work? (laughs) Like, why is this record in particular hitting such a nerve? Like, I'm really confused about this. And CeeLo is from an era of Little Kim and Foxy Brown, Freak Nick, Freak Fest, Jackie O, and Kaya. And listen, don't get me wrong. When you know better, you do better. But why are you upset that these two... 20-something-year-old young girls are expressing themselves in that way. Like, I'm the really way confused. Like, like, yeah. like, why is WAP the song that has everybody so upset? I'm, I'm really trying and, to... But he also talks about Nicki Minaj, and he talks about her platform and influence. He said her position as a role model is ineffective. He said you have the heads of state like Nicki Minaj or someone who is up there in accolades, success, visibility, a platform to influence. Nicki could be effective in so many other constructive ways, but it feels desperate. Wow. I mean, I would say Nikki is constructive, though. Nikki um, empowers a lot of women to be bosses and, you know, take take control of their business. I mean, just because she dresses uh, a, a certain way when she's performing I, or shakes her ass when she's performing doesn't mean she's any less of a boss. I just don't understand why everybody's so upset. Like, d- does everybody hear the music that's been coming out in the last decade, the last 20 yeah, all years? Of the, the celebration like, of the drug culture, the celebration of the gang culture, the violence, all of this. Like, violence? I'm, I'm so confused. Like, why is this the record everybody chooses to have a moral stand on? Like, I'm I'm confused. I don't lost. For some reason, women, and in particular, black women talking about sex, people try to shame that all the time. And I'm all for women owning their sexuality. It's putting, putting out whatever images and whatever words you want to put out is definitely true. I don't know, because, I mean, like I'm saying, like, why this record? Like, City Girl's been around for a while now. Cardi been around. Nicki been around. Meg Thee Stallion been, just got here. But why now? People have had problems with that also. People have ta- had problems with Megan Thee Stallion twerking. They've had problems with City Girls and their lyrics. Like, I mean, it's just been an issue and an ongoing thing. It don't make no sense. People always talk about, why do women always talk about these things? Why, and, like, we're not multifaceted and multidimensional. And, like, we can't talk about sex because everyone does it. It's not just in hip-hop. It's not just the women, so. The only thing that offends me is men with d's. I want men with d's to do some push-ups. Okay? Shut up, man. I'm Sometimes serious. there's nothing they could do about that. <laughs> That's what Shut I feel. You know, they, they're skinny right. guys that have some, too. Envy. Now, my, my breasts are gone. I don't know what y'all talking about, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's, almost short, it's almost short on weather for me, baby. You see me do them 60 fall. miles Shut this up. weekend, baby. I see you looking at me. Stop looking at me through the phone. making me uncomfortable. Go ahead, you. All right. And we got high mileage. All right. Well, I'm answering the <laughs> And that is your rumor report. Thank you, Miss Yee. I just want to let y'all know my ride game is crazy out right now. You want, okay. You we heard, like the way you ride heard, it. We like I the heard, way you ride it. Every I heard. Day. We know how you got all them cars. I'm talking about my bike, you asses. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> you got to use what you got to get what you want, Envy. Envy over, envy over there throwing it bike. <laughs> <laughs> throwing it bike. Yo, who you giving your donkey to, man? Uh, we need Steve Hartwell from Smash Mouth to come to the front of the congregation. Uh, we like to have a word with him. Y'all remember that old school group, Smash Mouth, don't you? Smash Mouth. Oh, hey, now, you're an all-star. You're an all-star. Okay. I'm a believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, about it. Okay. We'll have it out. All right.
That happens next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. This don't be a donkey, because right now you want some real donkey stuff. It's time for donkey of the day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, <laughs> hit me with the heat. Did she get donkey in the day? Please tell me. Absolutely. I have become donkey of the day. It's the Breakfast Club, bitches. You're a donkey. Donkey of the day for Tuesday, August 11th goes to Steve Harwell. Do you know who Steve Harwell is? Well, he's the lead singer for the rock band Smash Mouth. Y'all know who Smash Mouth is, don't you? You never heard Smash Mouth? Let's play a couple tunes to refresh y'all memory. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Uh, They've been around for a long time, since 1994 to be exact. And clearly, they don't give a damn about people because they made an appearance at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally where it's being reported by TMZ that hundreds, maybe thousands of bikers pulled up to what will probably end up being a night of beer, choppers, and COVID. Now, it's very important to note that 60% of Sturgis residents were against the motorcycle rally. That brings in thousands of people, but the city approved it because these people will always care about profits over you. When will we learn this? I keep trying to tell y'all it's economy over empathy. And I guarantee the folks making these decisions don't leave the house. The folks making these decisions won't pull up and kick it with you at these COVID friendly functions. But they don't care if you go. If you think I'm lying, explain this. okay? South Dakota local city council asked residents if they thought they should hold the event. Not just residents, but businesses, state health officials, as well as local health officials. And over 60 percent. 60% of residents said, hell no, dead it. And they did it anyway. You know why? Because Sturgis has a population of 7,000 people. But this motorcycle rally usually brings in crowds of about a half a million over 10 days. They got drag races, concerts, contests, all types of stuff. There's no way the city of Sturgis was going to miss out on all that paper. Okay, for the white people listening, paper means money, moolah, skrilla. That paper that got slave slave owners on it. That's why Sturgis had that rally, okay? Now, city manager Daniel Ainsley is saying they still had it because they kept hearing from people saying, Corona doesn't matter. They are coming to Sturgis anyway. We've been locked up for months and months. We coming out. So the city council ultimately decided that it was really vital for the community to be prepared for the additional people. That's all you want to be prepared for, okay? (laughs) Okay. How about city of Sturgis cancels the event altogether? So they have no place to come. If it's no event, where would they go? Have you ever heard the saying, if you build it, they will come? Okay, this is what you do. If you build it, they will come. If you don't build it, they won't come. Simple. What I don't understand is how come some leadership in America doesn't actually lead? What's the point of being city manager on city council, a a local or state health official, if you're only going to contradict all the science that's out there that tells us social distancing is the way to stop the spread of coronavirus? If keeping people apart is what can stop the transmission of COVID-19, then why would you hold a motorcycle rally for thousands of people? Don't give me that, oh, the people have been locked up for months and they were coming anyway excuse. This is about the money that city made and we all know it. They don't care about you, they care about money. And if you're a business owner or a resident of Sturgis who wanted this event to happen, shame on you. You don't care about your health or the health of other people. You don't care about the well-being of others. You care about just having a good time and you care about getting that bread and you should be ashamed of yourselves, okay? Well, they had the right entertainment because Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth while performing at this event had this to say. I've been crazy, you know? Oh, if you couldn't make that out, 
He said, we're all here together tonight. F that COVID. <laughs> Steve, what happened to being a believer? I'm most certainly a believer. And even if I wasn't, I'm not going to use my platform to push my beliefs on a crowd of thousands uh, who may not know any better. Because even if you're not a COVID believer, you can't deny it's something out there. So for your safety, and more importantly, the safety of the people that came to see you, okay, could you tell them to put their mask on? Could you tell them to at least attempt to social distance the best way they can with thousands of people out there? But to say, I've been going crazy, you know, and now we're all here together tonight and we're being human once again. F that COVID. <laughs> those are famous last words, my guy. All right. We have seen COVID get people to F out of here after uttering those words. So in the next couple of weeks, if you see Steve Harwell on social media asking for prayers because he's sick, are you wrong for keeping your prayer hand emojis to yourself? Is God wrong for seeing Steve Harwell calling and hitting decline? I'm just saying, Steve Harwell, you have to be more responsible. You saying F that COVID could be the reason people took their mask off and made it easier to spread that COVID. But I really can't even be mad at Steve because when we reached out to comment about this situation, he had this to say. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Well, at least he's honest. Please let Remy Ma give Steve Harwell the biggest hee-haw. You stupid motherfucker! Are you dumb? All right, thank you for that donkey today. Yes, indeed. All right, now, Charlemagne, are you still uh, Secretary of Defense for Kanye, or what's going man, on? Man, shut that up, role? man! We got bigger fish to fry. Okay, <laughs> can we talk no, about just, the fact? Just, I'm just asking. Can we talk yeah. about the fact that Joe Biden uh, should be choosing his running mate at any moment, even though I think that he's already chosen her? And um, a lot of people are putting pressure on him, demanding that he picks. A black woman, because last week, out of all the sisters, he's been saying he wants to be uh, on the ticket with him. Reports came out that he met with Gretchen Whitmer, governor of Michigan, a white woman about the VP position in person in Delaware. You haven't heard any stories of him meeting face to face with any of the sisters. OK, you just heard that he's been meeting with them remotely, but he actually met with Gretchen Whitmer face to face. So that prompted uh, 700 black women to write a letter to Biden to speak out against the blatant disrespect black women have received during this process. And so us black men also decided to stand with our sisters. And we wrote a letter uh, essentially saying the same. And I have to salute Virgie Rollins, who's the DNC uh, of the Black Caucus in Michigan. She said Joe Biden better pick a black woman because if he picks Gretchen, he'll lose Michigan. And Joan Bonacci, who writes for the Boston Globe, she's a white woman. She wrote an article mm -hmm. that said, how many insults are black voters supposed to take from Joe Biden at this point? Wouldn't a failure to select a black woman as his running mate be the ultimate insult? All right, so what is the question? What are we asking? I want to know if the people uh, feel like it's mandatory that Joe Biden picks a black woman VP. Okay. I think it's uh, I think it's mandatory. All right. Well, let's open up these phone lines. 800-585-1051. Do you think it's mandatory that Joe Biden picks a black woman to be his vice president? All right. We'll talk about it when we come back. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we were talking about Joe Biden. 
Uh, I asked Charlamagne, I just wanted to make sure before we do this topic, you are no longer Kanye West's Secretary of Defense, correct? Yo, shut sure. up, That's man. Clear. Listen, y'all keep, y'all, keep, y'all keep playing, okay? I keep telling y'all, stop playing with that, that man. Uh, but no, what we're really discussing is uh, Joe Biden and who he's going to pick as a running mate. I'm sure he's uh, probably already made his decision, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, what happened last week was out of all of the, the sisters he's been saying he wants to be on the ticket, reports came out that he met... Gretchen Whitmer, governor of Michigan, about the VP position face-to-face. You haven't heard any stories of him meeting face-to-face with any of the sisters. All you've seen on the black women was bad press. So last week, over 700 black women wrote a letter to Biden to speak out against the blatant disrespect black women have received during this process. So us as black men decided to stand with them, and we wrote our own letter that came out yesterday. Um, a lot of different people wrote letters, though. I saw uh, African-American activists in, in Michigan and uh, uh, the, the DNC chair of the Black Caucus, Virgie Rollins in Michigan. They wrote a letter and they said Joe Biden better pick a black woman. If he picks Gretchen Whitmer, he'll lose Michigan. Um, I saw Joan Venacci, who writes for the Boston Globe. She's a white woman. She said, how many insults are black voters supposed to take from Joe Biden? At this point, wouldn't a failure to select a black woman as his running mate be the ultimate insult? And I agree with each and every one of them. You know, I've been screaming that he has to have a black woman VP for months now. Now, let me ask you a question. You know, every time we talk about Joe Biden, they say, well, why are y'all talking about him? Why are y'all even saying anything? What you going to do? You going to vote for Trump or you going to vote for him? Well, it's simple. Uh, the reason we're having these discussions is because we clearly would like for him to win. And when we talk about him needing a black woman VP, it's not a matter of identity politics. It's math. Joe Biden needs strong black voter turnout in swing states like Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania to win. Period. If you look in all those states, a drop off of black voters turn a drop off of black voter turnout happened in 2016. In 08 and 012, when Barack Obama was on the ticket, black people pulled up, and in 2016 they did not. 4.4 million people who voted in 2012 stayed home in 2016, and a third of them were black. So if he does not think- have a black running mate, right? If he's not picking a black woman as vice president, what does that mean, Charlemagne? So what are you going to do? Let's say he says no, I'm not going to do it. So what? So what happens then? Well, it's not you about what I'm going to do. Listen, it's not about what I'm going to do. Listen, it's not about what I'm going to do because I'm going to do my, my my civic duty and vote regardless. But what it's going to be about is those 4.4 million people who voted in 2012 and stayed home in 2016. Do you think that it's actual enthusiasm around Joe Biden? Do you think people are really energized by Joe Biden's campaign? When you out here in these streets talking to brothers and sisters, Envy, do you feel that? No, not at all. Okay, exactly. Not at all. So, so, so fear of Donald Trump is not going is not enough to just make people say, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm run. I'm gonna rush out in droves on November third and vote. So yes, he needs to put a black woman on his ticket. I agree with you. What do you think, E? Thank you. Um, I was going to say that I think that, yes, we need to spark some enthusiasm for people to go out and vote. I also look at uh, Gretchen Whitmer. I don't think she'd be a good candidate. I see everything that's happened in Flint. They still haven't solved that water crisis problem. The education system in Detroit, they're failing the students here. So I don't feel like she would be a good choice anyway. But I also feel like we want to be enthusiastic about who we vote for and we want people to be energized. Of course, I'm registered to vote. I'm definitely going to vote. I encourage everyone to do it. But you think about, you know, people who don't feel like Joe Biden is their top pick in any way. The vice presidential pick is what's going to really energize them. And so I think it's really important that we choose somebody like Kamala Harris or Susan Rice. And they are supposed to be announcing that sometime this week. And so I guess we'll see then. But 
part of being involved in politics is using your voice to get what you want. So I think it's great yes. for people to be very vocal about what it is that they want. It's not that you elect these politicians and just vote without demanding things. So it's important to demand what it is that you want so that you can feel enthusiastic about who you're voting for. It's not just enough to say we don't want Donald Trump there. I want to be enthusiastic about who will be in office. And that's what we're doing now. And, and a lot of black people don't trust that white man, Joe Biden. But I will trust his running mate, especially if it's Senator Kamala Harris. And black women don't just vote. They mobilize. They're going to have me and you, your mama, and your cousin, too, out there in them streets campaigning to make but history. You know, how much disrespect can, can, can somebody take before they say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to be your, your running mate. I don't want to be your vice president. Because that's what's getting to the point where it seems like nah, you're going to do you're that. Gonna, you don't think so? Well, not because they're public service. face-to-face meetings with, I don't know. That, well, let's now, that was disrespectful. Now, see, that's what I'm saying. And that's what made those black women write that letter. But that's what because I'm saying. Gretchen, you take this, you Gretchen take this Whitmer face-to-face actually face went meeting. to Delaware. Yeah. Right. And then you, 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 you talk to me through Zoom, and then I'm supposed to just say, okay, yeah, you could pick me as a, uh, I don't know. Let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? This is Terry. Terry, what's going on? What do you think about uh, Joe Biden? If you don't pick a black woman... I'm voting independent. I don't even care who I vote for with independent. <laughs> see, I'm serious, see? All right. That's Thank how you. people feel. Hello, who's this? Tamika. Tamika, we're talking hey, Tamika. Joe Biden. What are your feelings oh. uh, if he uh, picks or, or not, uh, doesn't pick a black woman? I don't think it, it should be an end all, and I think people need to stop saying that for the simple fact that it's going to start splitting the vote and black people are not going to go out and vote. Black women going to be that mad. And at this point, I'm going to tell you the truth. Joe Biden can sit on the corner smoking weed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for him. <laughs> because, I'm not mad at you. Can still but, be, I, but you can still be okay. vocal about what you would like him to do. Right. I would, I am, I would love for him to choose a black woman. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. But if he doesn't, vote for him regardless. Tamika. Tamika, you yeah, got yeah, yeah, to yeah. tell the universe what you want. You can't send the universe mixed signals. That's why you're single now. Because you say you don't want no man, but then you're saying you want a man. Tamika you gotta got say what you want, okay. Tamika. I, I've been married. I've been married for twenty eight years, but I've been. <laughs> you tell him, Tamika. So You've been had a man. But, uh, that was a Biden bad example. Goes, <laughs> if Joe Biden is smoking crack <laughs> on the corner, you voting for Joe? That, All right, thank you. And then, uh, thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's be clear. Some people are so energized enough that they just want to get Trump out of there and will vote that way, regardless. There are some people That's who not will do be that. Enough. But but I think that you have to energize everybody and let everyone be yeah. enthusiastic. Again, people need to come out and vote in droves if you want to win. You know how you know that's not going to be enough? Why? Wow. Donald Trump is your president now. And people felt like just, that in 2016. They was like, we got to get him out. We can't have this man in the White House. And it didn't happen. Okay? Hey, it's not enough. Not be enough. 585 We'll take some more of your calls. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just join us, we're talking about Joe Biden. Uh, he hasn't picked a running mate yet, so we're asking, uh, what if he doesn't pick a, a black woman? Does he need to pick a black woman? That is the question. Yes, I'm sure he has already picked her, though. But, you know, uh, red flags were raised last week when Gretchen Whitmer, governor of Michigan, actually flew to Delaware and met with Joe Biden face to face. Now, I, I also did hear that Senator Kamala Harris uh, flew to Delaware as well and met with him face to face. But the problem I have is no press came out about that meeting. But all the press came out about Gretchen. All you see yeah, when you come to the sure. black woman... 
All the did meet with, he did meet with a black woman. He did. He did meet with Kamala Harris and face to face. Yes, but you didn't see right. that. Right. Everything is very. It's supposed to be very secretive about what they're doing. So I don't know why certain. No, it's things not. Are it's coming a, it's, out it's, and certain it, things aren't. They're acting like it is. Like they're, all these meetings it, are secret. And it's positive press for Gretchen, negative press for all the black women candidates. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? This is Marvin from Niagara Falls. Hey, what's up, brother? We're talking Joe Biden. What's your thoughts? My thoughts is Joe Biden is already going to lose, for one. I understand y'all think Trump's going to win, but he's not. I mean, he's going to lose, but he's not. Joe Biden don't need to attach no woman to that campaign because that campaign is a complete mess. And once you start losing in politics, you're going to start looking like you're chasing a particular position. And that looks bad overall. So, no, I don't think Joe Biden should. I mean, Joe Biden should. Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden should either. Why do you think <laughs> Joe Biden Why do you think Joe Biden's going to lose, King? Um, I think he's going to lose because he hasn't shown any progress. Just look at him. He's, has he shown you anything that tells you that he's going to move forward in regards to the Democrat Party? By them even well, fucking Joe Biden, they showed us that they don't want to move forward in a progressive manner that they claim that they want to be in. Well, that's why I think, um, you know, his vice presidential pick is very important. And if I'm Joe Biden... I would introduce my whole cabinet this week, not just my VP. I would introduce what my whole shadow cabinet look like. And, you know, if it's some progressives on there, if it's some diversity on there, if it's some people that are forward thinking, you got to vote for that. Yeah, I would think before the 17th, he's going to reveal a lot. So we'll know who the VP is. We'll know who is going to be in his cabinet. I think you want to do all of that before the convention. All right. Well, what's the moral of the story, guys? The moral of the story is Joe Biden needs a black woman on his ticket to win. And that's not a matter of identity politics. It's simple math, okay? He needs a strong black voter turnout in swing states like Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And that's it. Nothing more to talk about. 4.4 million people who voted in 2012 stayed home in 2016. A third of them were black. So if you want black people to pull up in droves like you did in 08 and 2012, you got to put a black woman on your ticket. And if you're asking me, I think that that black woman should be Senator Kamala Harris because that will energize a Negro like me to get up and say, you know what? Not only am I going to vote, I'm going to encourage other people to go out there and vote. I just want to be excited and happy to vote. See, and I, and, you know, and just to, now. I want to, I want to dance away from the poll. Like, yes. And, and, <laughs> and then just the disrespect that, uh, you know, they've shown these black woman candidates during this vetting process. It's like, they're not even being vetted. They're being scrutinized. Like for you to say that uh, Senator Kamala Harris is overly ambitious. She has too much ambition. She's not going to be loyal because she's going to be too focused on being the president. You didn't say that about Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden's third time running for president. What if Barack felt like that when, when Joe Biden ran against him in 08 and didn't choose him as the VP? You know but what I mean? To say that, uh, press outlets, there's certain press outlets saying that that's not coming from Joe Biden's it? camp. Yes, it did. That came from Joe Biden's, the, 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 uh, the dude on his vetting team, on his VP vetting team. His name was... Uh, oh, I didn't name? know that. I thought that was... Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's saying he didn't say that, but the press is saying that yeah. they got that from him. Well, Joe Biden, if you know what I know, you need to pick a black woman. Simple as that. Send it to Kamala Simple Harris. Let's go. If you know what Let's I go, know. Let's go, baby. All right. Yeah, we got rumors K-5. on the way. Well, since we're talking about voting, and again, I want to tell you guys to make sure you are registered to vote. We've been talking about how important that is, and this morning we're discussing it as well. So I'm going to give you guys some information on where you can vote and how you can make sure that you are registered. All you have to do is make sure you text Levi's to 788-683. You can get registered, find out key dates and voting how-tos from Rock the Vote. And we're talking all about voting, so let's talk about a potential candidate who could face election fraud investigation. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. 
Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Kanye West. It's time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, so Kanye West could face election fraud investigation. And according to reports, he has been removed from the ballot in Illinois, as we know. And they're saying that there could be an investigation into his campaign. They said more than half of the signatures submitted were invalid. He had about 3,100 signatures. And they said uh, no word on what names were not valid. But some names could include illegible names, non-registered voters, or people providing fake names or addresses. And I saw some of the forms that they submitted with the signatures, and some of them looked exactly the same. The handwriting looked exactly the same. So this is fool. This is foolish that we're still talking about a fake Kanye West presidential campaign. Like none of this will even be a story if no media outlets reported on it. Like if we're saying that Kanye is a distraction and he's only doing this for attention, why are we giving it to him? Like we're, well, we're part of the Hughley, problem, whether we realize it or not. Dale Hughley gave us some attention too, and here's what he had to say about Kanye West. It's no doubt that he suffers from some level of mental illness, but uh, it, it isn't why he's misogynistic. It isn't why he's disrespectful to our history. And then he's not so ill that he is trying to be a disruptor in the political form. He took $5 million in, in the PPP payments. So he, he seems to be conveniently ill when it serves his purposes. And I think um, he, uh, to me, Kanye West is exactly like uh, Donald Trump. So it makes sense that they're, uh, attracted to one another. I don't think Kanye West is mentally ill when convenient because Kanye will be the first to tell you that he's not crazy. I think the media labels him mentally ill when convenient. It seems to me whenever Kanye does something people don't agree with, he gets tagged mentally ill. But the truth is that's the same old Kanye West we've been seeing our whole lives. He's not doing nothing different except playing for a side we not on. What's crazy, and think about it, if you're a Trump supporter who's always been a mm -hmm. fan of Kanye, that's just Kanye being Kanye. But if you're not a Trump supporter, you're looking at Kanye like, man, this dude tripping. But where where right, the ones who saying, label him mentally ill? And, you know, he said there is no doubt that he suffers from some level of mental illness. And Kim Kardashian has said that he's mentally ill also, right? Yeah, and he so said that, yeah, he said that a few years ago. But now, but, but now in this moment, he's telling y'all, I'm not crazy. Y'all upset at me because I'm crying over my me, the, the thought of potentially aborting my daughter. He's like, that don't make me crazy. He said that. Well, what about his comments about Harriet Tubman and being disrespectful? That don't to make him history. crazy. That just make him stupid. No, we're not. But first, we're not even using the word crazy. We're not using the word crazy. Well, that don't make him we're mentally, mentally ill. That just crazy. makes him stupid. That makes him a bad communicator. And I don't mean he's mentally ill. I, I do think Kanye is mentally ill. Maybe not from the things that you just Man. said that he said, but I do think he has some some mental problems. And Kim Kardashian and some even health. put up that post where she was discussing, you know, that he was bipolar and that he's been having episodes and a lot of and, things and, happen behind the scenes that she doesn't address publicly. And Kanye pushed back on all of that. All I'm simply saying is, if the man is mentally ill, he's mentally ill. And he's not doing it for a matter of convenience, right? Clearly, he, he's mentally ill. But I'm saying we tag him mentally ill all the time just because he says something we don't agree with. If, if, if that is all it takes to be mentally ill, somebody saying something you don't agree with, there's a lot of mentally ill people out here. I don't think that's the only reason that people say that. But all I right, now Nas is set to release new music with Hit Boy, and that's going to be coming out next week. So people are really excited for that. Um, he said he's been trying to do this for years, and... 
He put up a hit boy. He put up a, a clip on social media. He said, we've got the time. We've got that alignment. So whatever it is, it's coming on August 21st. So get ready for that. Okay. Now, other things that are coming up. Mike Tyson's comeback fight with Roy Jones Jr. That was actually postponed to November 28th. So we were hoping that was going to happen on September 12th. We did talk to Roy Jones Jr. on The Breakfast Club, but it looks like that has been postponed a few months. I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, me too. I, I think they needed that time. I thought that fight was too fast. I mean, these these brothers still need to train, you know? All right. Tracy Morgan reveals that he split up from his wife six months ago, and he also wants his last name back. So they separated before the pandemic hit. And according to Bossip, they're saying that he filed asking for joint custody of their daughter, Maven, who's seven years old. Uh, he wants both sides to pay child support for her, and he wants Megan to revert to her maiden name, uh, according to court documents. So her name is Megan Wallover Morgan. So he wants her to just drop the Morgan. Uh, can you force someone to do that? I have no idea. And I hope I never have to find out. <laughs> I don't know. I have no like once idea. you marry somebody, can you make them revert back to their, you know, give back your last name? I don't know. I wouldn't, All right, I wouldn't want them to. I want them to keep it. Uh, and especially if they marry somebody keep your last else. Name? That's right. With you marry somebody else, that's right. Keep it. I want you to even keep my name, my last name, even if you marry somebody else. Why? Why? Ego. All right, Damian Lillard. He had a response for Skip Bayless. Now Skip Bayless was on Undisputed, and he also tweeted out, "I'm still not buying Dame time, and apparently the Clippers aren't either." At Undisputed, and so he told Shannon Sharp, "I will allow you." to continue to stick your head in the sand about Damian Lillard, but I'm not going to. What happened on Saturday afternoon validated what I've been asking about Damian Lillard. Is he really that guy? Does he really have super in front of star in front of his name? Well, Damian Lillard responded and he said this. He got on Twitter today. He was like, I don't know if I'm buying Dame time and he's not a superstar. And I just, it made me mad because I don't care about you know, who's a superstar and all that. What does that even mean, bro? I just saw the tweet. And I basically told him, I was like, I don't believe in nothing about you. You a clown, basically. And then I was just like, you're the same person who I had a private conversation with. And he backpedaled the whole time, bro. He didn't stand on nothing that he said. I could just really make him look bad right now, but I ain't going to do that. He also tweeted, I have never been buying nothing about you, fam. You a joke. And after our private convo full of backpedaling, you will never have my respect. And then he put a clown emoji. <laughs> that clown emoji really hurts people's feelings. It does. Hey, that's the best emoji. That's the best when somebody been running their mouth and then you finally get them on the phone or you see them in person and they don't have that same energy. That is the best. That is why whatever I say about you on the radio or on a podcast, I will say to you. It's because of that right there. You may not like me, but you're going to respect the fact that I kept the same energy. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, shout to Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Get your request in. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. EJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, shout to the Dean family for joining us this morning. Dwa and Siobhan, the founders Rough of Riders. Rough Riders. Yes. Yes. So, the Rough Riders documentary to starts tomorrow at uh, 10 p.m., I believe, right after the master, I think the finale of the Master P doc. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to salute uh, to iHeart, too. iHeart is launching a, a Get Out the Vote campaign. They're putting celebrities, influencers, and, and real people like our listeners 
on all the airwaves across 850 stations and podcasts from now until Election Day, November 3rd, to discuss the issues that matter most to them in this uh, election year. So if Joe Biden and his campaign are smart, they will be announcing Senator Kamala Harris as his VP this week to add some much-needed energy to his campaign, and he needs to introduce his cabinet to. Okay, we need to see what the rest of the Avengers look like since we're not uh, that enthused about Hawkeye. Okay, but if iHeart is doing initiatives like this, it will be good, you know, to hear our listeners and celebrities and influencers actually have something to be excited about when discussing the upcoming election. So, yeah, Joe Biden, do the right thing in that, Senator Kamala Harris, the ticket, and uh, salute to iHeart for launching the Get Out the Vote campaign. All right. Now, when we come back, we got the positive note, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? I do, actually. Uh, my positive note for the day is this. Who you are inside is what helps you make and do everything in life. Do you know who said that? Mr. Rogers. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? 